Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Well, good morning, church. It is a great day to worship Jesus. Uh, some of you know the story, and uh, I, won't, I won't share all the details, but uh, Stephanie Thackerson, who led that last song for us, um, she had a major uh, cancer surgery and reconstruction just, f- I think, five weeks ago. Uh, I wasn't even supposed to, I think, be back doing anything for at least eight weeks, and uh, she just let us in. Uh, and the cancer's gone. Like, there wasn't no cancer left. Like, Jesus and everything. So, uh, so uh, yeah, wow. I mean, he is a good God. Uh, if you're here today, you're watching online, you're listening, and you don't know this God personally, uh, I encourage you to, to come to know him today. He wants you so bad, and he will change everything. And it's the only eternal decision you get to be a part of, and it's the best thing you can ever do in life. Jesus wants to give his eternal life to you. So uh, listen to what the Spirit's saying to you today. And that's really what we are uh, doing in this series, Things That Are, this uh, Revelation chapter one through three series where Jesus is writing to seven different churches uh, in what is modern day Turkey. Uh, Rome controlled most of the world. Uh, This is a major trade route. And so these seven cities where these churches were, were in what is modern day Turkey. And today we're gonna cover two of the churches Uh, as we look at uh, part of chapter two, part of chapter three. Uh, So if you want to turn to Revelation two right now, you can. Uh, But I want to kick us off today uh, looking at something Paul said uh, when he was really challenging us on choosing how to live. And he said, there's really two ways. You either either live by the power of the Holy Spirit or not. That's it. The power of the Holy Spirit or not, and not is horrible and horrific. Uh, so I want to look at this passage in Galatians chapter five. If you'd like to turn with me, you can. Otherwise, uh, you can listen to my amazing voice. Um, it's a it's a long passage, so it won't be on the screen. Uh, but he's talking about living by the Spirit's power, and he says this in Galatians five, starting in verse sixteen. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And now he goes into a contrast in the rest of the time here. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and this gets dark here, when you follow sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. And if that didn't cover something you're dealing with, he says, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But when there's a, when there's a, that, that pause and then but in the Bible is so good. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is a famous one that most of us know. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law, in other words, no limit to these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. We leave them at the place of death. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So today we're looking at at Jesus' letter to two churches today, uh, one dying and one dead, Revelation 2, verse 18 through uh, chapter 3, verse 6, dying and dead, not, not a great reputation, right? Especially if you're a church of Jesus Christ and one's dying and one's dead. So it it made me wonder this week as I'm reading those passages, how did they get there? Like these are Jesus churches. These are people who put their faith in Jesus. This is, these are, these are ones who would call themselves believers and we get to this place and this is, you know, anywhere from uh, probably 15 to to 50 years after Jesus died and rose again and then returned to heaven, uh, that, that's when this is written. And, and you wonder, how'd they get there? Probably like anything any one of us finds ourselves in, uh, in, in this horrible situation. One really, really bad decision. One horrible choice. One traumatic event that, that happens in our lives that causes us to think this way and do this and, and act this way. I mean, Paul writes about some of the, these things that we just read, and maybe it's, maybe it's somebody who disconnected their life from fellowship and community in Jesus. Maybe it was a group of people who said, look what the world's doing around. How can we, how can we believe in Jesus, but then also get some of that going on? Because, man, that's kind of fun, or we get accepted that way. And they, they begin to be like the culture around them. And then it gets worse and worse because real change never happens. And as a Christian, in Christianity, real change only ever comes when we, when we live a lifestyle of repentance. So looking at that, that first church called Thyatira in Revelation 2, uh, verses 18 through the end of that, that chapter, we're going to look at a church that's mostly dead. If you're a Princess Bride fan, you can, uh, that came to my mind this week. I was like, mostly dead. Um, those of you who haven't watched Princess Bride, you have to watch Princess Bride. What are you doing not watching it? But let's get back to Jesus. So, to the church uh, in Thyatira, Jesus writes this. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. He was setting the stage for them. I am purity and I judge perfectly. That's what he was setting himself up with. And it doesn't really uh, translate as much for us right now, but for them, they'd be like, whoa, this is the pure judge talking. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. This is heavy stuff. Then all the churches will know that I'm the one that searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. 
and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. So all of a sudden he got really heavy. But I also have this message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths in quotations uh, are written there. Deeper truths as they call them, depths of Satan actually, he says. Whew. Listen to what Jesus says. This is how tender and, and, and really easy he is. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give the authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my father and I will also give them the morning star. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So this church here, they were relying on works with only a pinch of faith going on. And, and not only did they do these works really well, we read from Jesus himself, they actually got better and better at them. But that was part of their undoing because it masked the sin in their lives. It was like painting over mold with really thick white paint. Can't see it, who's gonna know? Kind of thing. So they ended up doing great things at the expense of dealing with massive sexual and spiritual sin issues, immorality, both in the body and in the, in the spirit. They drifted and it became this slippery slope. And, and to those who, who weren't a part of that, they just said, well, I would guess, this is, this is my guess, because knowing humanity, they just said, well, we don't know what to do with that. And she's really powerful, and she's, she's bringing a lot of people along, and they're, they're looking just like the world around them. Just so you know, that city, Thyatira, it was known as a, as a big trade guild, or what we call a labor union city. So think uh, Detroit, or Chicago, or a Philly, has a lot of unions. In fact, there, it was impossible to work in a field without being, uh, having a trade guild that you were a part of. Now, these trade guilds required that you served some God at some temple and did some type of really disgusting or immoral uh, worship as a part of it. So you want a job fixing somebody's roof and you're in the roofing guild, you better do this or else you better just hope somebody will give you, uh, you know, a job on the side. So that was the pressure they were facing. And so the world around them was looking this way and this, this woman who was like a Jezebel from the Old Testament, we don't, her name might not have been Jezebel, might have been like one because she drew them away from, from God into uh, what was immoral. They just, they just let that come into the church so then they, chose, they were like, oh, I don't know what else to do, but we're good at works. We're good at, at serving people. We're good at hospitality. We're good at, at being kind. We're good at being generous. So let's just do that because I don't know what to do with this. They, they set aside their faith and where Jesus says, if, if you're truly my followers, you'll obey what I'm teaching you and that truth will set you free. They, they set that aside and they said, let's just, let's just do as much good as we can. They were doing almost like a Christian yin-yang, uh, and it didn't work. You know, uh, oh, so 17 bad things happened. Let's, let's all do 17 good things. 
The real believers didn't start that wicked sin. They obviously were not involved in it. They probably despised it, but they did nothing. And they never spoke up. And they never stood firmly in love against it. They never lifted one finger to help those who got sucked in. They never went and searched for the one, leaving the 99 to go and bring them back to the, the healthy fold. They just rescued nobody. They kept doing great works at the expense of hearts and minds and souls, bodies, eternal destinations. Hard. But what I love about what Jesus says, he doesn't say, okay, you did all this stuff, you let all this happen, here's the 55 things I have for you. He says, I don't ask you to do anything more than believe what you once believed and live in that and, and hold on until I come back. He's really, when he says my burden and my yoke are light and easy, he means it. He doesn't ask us to do anything that's really that hard in life and then anything that's hard and difficult, he's the one that's probably either gonna do it or he's gonna lead us through it all. And then we get to uh, a church that's actually worse because the first one was mostly dead and this one in Sardis is dead, dead. Chapter three, verse one. Write this to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. The sevenfold spirit of God is basically a term for he operates in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, I operate in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. I give you the ability to do that, and I'm speaking to you. And the reason he used that title there is because they were not, and they'll find out in a moment. I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Uh, they're like, um, did you ever get the wrong letter, pastor? I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying, you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. But he doesn't leave it there. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They, walk with, they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy." All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. I'm gonna pause for a second right there. And uh, I encourage you to really talk a lot about this in your life groups. Talk about this around your dinner tables. We're not gonna get to that today. That phrase alone makes you go, oh, wow, there's a lot of questions that go with that. I believe that Jesus' saving grace carries us all the way through. But there is... Something to think about when he says, if you don't do this, I'll erase your name from the book of life. Jesus knows. He doesn't want to pick up the eraser. But don't ever put yourself in a place where that even has to be an option. I don't know the fullness of what that means. And I'm not going to answer it for you. But, but I encourage you with this. Study it out. Talk about it. But don't fret it, because if you live for Jesus, that never has to be a worry in your life. 
So if all who are victorious will be clothed in white, I'll never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. So they looked good, but something was missing. And Jesus personally tells the church here, he's telling believers, might not be followers, some of them sound like they're not followers, they just are believers, which there is a difference. The devil himself believes that Jesus is who he is. He's certainly not a follower. So you have to be a believing follower, that's a disciple, it's a sidebar there. But Jesus personally tells the church here, you are dead. If you have a red letter edition Bible, it's in red. Those are red letters. Jesus is talking. That's heavy. I mean, that's a heavy statement from Jesus himself to say, everybody thinks you're alive and you're acting like you're alive and you look like you're alive, but I know everything and you're dead. But Jesus, but Jesus, I love that eternal transforming phrase because all of us that follow Jesus had a yet Jesus or a but Jesus moment. I was living this way. Life was going down this toilet bowl. I was spinning out of control over here, but Jesus... I thought everything was over. I, I thought life was hopeless. I doubted every single thing, yet Jesus came to me. But Jesus has a remedy even for the dead, dead that follow him or that believe in him, I mean, or, or, or that once believed in him. For anyone dying, dead, cold, backslidden, far from him, Get your heartbeat back. That's what Jesus says. Be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that represents the fullness of the living God for you and I. That's our big idea today. Get right with God. That's the message to both of these churches in different ways, in different circumstances they're dealing with, and different choices they're making, and different evils that they face around them in culture. Get right with God. And that's the message that is constantly before us. Whenever we struggle with anything, just get right with God. And he doesn't give us 55 hoops to jump through or anything that we have to do to earn it. He says, just turn. Just turn and look to me. Look at me. To the one who is so far away from the 99 others today. There's hope for you. To the one who's, who's stuck in sin, a habit, a struggle, a, a, a stronghold of sin that maybe you're stuck in, there's forgiveness for you today. To the one slipping, floundering, doubting, bitter, there is grace. There is mercy. There is compassion. I love that song we sang. He sits on heaven's, not throne. It is a throne, but it's heaven's mercy seat that he sits on. That's what he dispenses all of his judgment with. Mercy. Mercy. My favor, that grace from God. I know you're struggling. I have compassion on you. That's the merciful God 
who reigns on high, who longs to set you free and heal you. So the remedy for us that Jesus provides is found very clearly in verses two and three of of chapter three there. He says, wake up. How sweet is that? He says, you are dead. Wake up. Now, if there's something, if I have an animal that's dead, I'm not gonna be like, wake up, wake up. They're dead, it's dead. Only Jesus can speak to that which is dead and wake it up. And so there is hope always. Hope eternal. Hope that overcomes all that life offers to us or or harasses us with or that we struggle with. There is always hope. To the dead, he says, wake up. Because I hold the powers of life and death in my hands. And then he says, work out. Strengthen what little remains. Got to work out. Wake up. Can't work out till you wake up from the dead. So wake up and then start to work out. Start to strengthen. Read the living word of God. Get involved with, with community. Be a part of a life group or a Bible study or serve somewhere that is all about Jesus. Begin to strengthen that in your life. And then finally he says, walk right. Repent. Repent. Changing our thinking, changing our behavior, changing the attitude of our heart will always involve repentance. It is a lifestyle that we're called to live. It's a humble lifestyle. It's, Jesus, I, I, I've done this. Jesus, I'm thinking this way. Jesus, I'm struggling uh, with this and it's consuming me instead of you consuming me. And so it begins with this, hum, this humility, this humble nature before God. And it says, I'm struggling. I need you. Jesus, forgive me. It's a part of repentance. Jesus, help me to turn away from that and walk towards you and the things you have for me. That is a repentant lifestyle that we should live out our whole lives before him. Go back to what you know is true. Go back to what you know is true. Quoting the princess bride, go back to the beginning, Fessick. He was struggling, he was floundering. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And then he said, go back to the beginning. And Jesus said, go back to the beginning. Go back to, to our beginning. That's, that's our love relationship that was pure. And you've gotten impurities added on. So, so I'm gonna wake you up if you'll let me. You begin to do the things you need to do and strengthen and work out. But as you walk it out in repentance, go back to our beginning. Maybe you've been tolerating sin in your own life. Beliefs, thoughts, an action, a lifestyle. Maybe it's something you're thinking about doing and so you're consumed by it. Maybe it's something you're already doing. Maybe it's something that you just, you're just off kilter. Maybe in, in, in 75% of your life, it's fully devoted to the good things, but 25%, you're just living wrong, thinking wrong, acting wrong. It probably started as a little compromise that you saw as wrong, but it it wouldn't kill you. Maybe it seemed mostly harmless. But today, Jesus has found you in that dark place, and he's shining a light on you. He's shining a light in you. He's really shining a light for you. And he's not against you. It's not a light that he shines on you or on me when we're struggling in a sin issue. 
uh, that's meant to shame us. It's not, it's not something hateful. It's not to rip on us and tell us how awful of followers we are. He never does that. It's to graciously and, and mercifully free you with his compassionate heart for you. But you gotta be real and you gotta deal with this stuff. This is written to two churches. And today it might be spoken to churches, but, but really the best application for us is to initially take it into our own lives and go, Jesus, what do you have to say to me from this today? Is there something? Or Jesus, I know there's something and it's hard to deal with, but you have made it clear to me today that, that you care about me, but you also care that that is killing me or that that has killed me. So if you, if you have a Bible, if you just close it, if you have your Bible app open or something, just put it down. Maybe you need to close your eyes for a moment with me. But just imagine for a moment that Jesus was physically here with you right now. The two of you were the only two in the whole room. And he's locking eyes with you. He's looking at you. Compassion, mercy, grace, that love that is inexplicable. And he's just looking at you right now, right in your eyes. You know he loves you. You know Jesus is absolutely for you. You know he holds the power of life and death in his grip. He has all the power to, to set you free and the absolute right to forgive you of any sin issue no matter how thick or how big or how long it's been around or how powerful it seems, he has the right, the only one with the right to forgive you, to wipe the slate clean. And he's sitting there facing you and just looking at you with that, those eyes of love that also says, I can set you free. I can wake you up. His desire is that you simply own what it is and with deep felt sorrow, just repent. Might be as simple as Jesus, I'm so sorry. Help me. Jesus, I know that I've done this. Forgive me. Jesus, I don't know how to put it into words and get the words out. But I'm here and I know what you're talking about. Cleanse me. Freedom's guaranteed from Jesus. It's guaranteed. On this planet Earth, unless he comes back while we're still alive, we're all gonna taste death. We're not gonna feel the sting of it and it's not gonna own us, but we're gonna taste it. So, so healing of our physical bodies isn't always a guarantee because life has an end here on planet Earth, but freedom in Christ is always a guarantee. Freedom from sin because of Jesus' ability to forgive is always 100% guarantee. It will never fail and he will never run out. He is, he, it is limitless the amount of forgiveness he has for you and I. And maybe you're struggling. I, I don't know, Jesus. I don't think I can do this. I, it's heavy. It's awful. I'm stuck in it. And you know I am. You know how powerful it is over me. What if I fail you again, Jesus? What if you forgive me? And I walk right in and then I fail you again. I felt like Jesus gave words for those that are struggling in here. I'm for you. I love you. I will never let you down. 
Don't fear failing me. Don't give sin that power over you. I made you. I saved you. I'm in charge. Trust my heart for you. And these words were spoken by Jesus in Matthew 11 to all of us. Jesus says in Matthew 11:28 28 through 30, come to me. You are weary and carrying heavy burdens, so I will give you rest. Simply join your life with mine. Accept my teachings and learn from me because I'm humble and gentle and easy to please. You will find rest for your soul, Jesus says. What I ask is easy to follow through on. It's easy to bear. Don't you fret. You see, Jesus will always remind us that that it's never too late while we still have breath. And if you have ears to hear, if you have ears to hear what the loving Spirit of God has to say to you, if you have a heart that Jesus saved eternally, he says, listen and repent and then do and then live it out. And I'm a gracious God. I'm gonna ask you to stand right now and we're gonna go into a a time of worship here in a moment. And if you wanna be set free, be set free today. It's not by your power, but the choice is yours. If you wanna be set free, be set free today. And I really believe Jesus is saying, for those of you struggling with some kind of a sexual sin, some kind of a, 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 a thought life that takes you down an immoral path, uh, if, you're, if you're stuck in it or you're toying with it or if it keeps drawing you back, he's saying, let me kill it today. Let me kill that sin hold over you. I'm the only one that can, and I love to do it. You are mine, you are mine, you are mine, and I am for you. Let me free you, and then let me bless your life. And if you're stuck in some kind of a doubt, and you're doubting Jesus is even real, you look at things around you, relationships around you, people around you, the world around you, you read scripture, you're just struggling with doubt and belief and Jesus says, just lay that before me and let me prove myself to you. He owes you nothing, yet he loves to do that. Lay it down. Lay down the sin, lay down the doubt. Some of you are struggling with bitterness towards a person or maybe a family. Uh, a, a, a couple, a, a business, something, someone in your life that's really was once dear to you, you're struggling with bitterness towards them and Jesus says, don't let that bitterness choke you. Let me break it. Let me chop the root out of your life. Ask me to forgive you and then forgive that person and let it be on my shoulders. Let me bear that which you cannot bear. Don't let bitterness uh, sick in your life and, 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 and bring in, in a rot into your life. Let Jesus have it. So let's pray and then we're gonna worship God and maybe you gotta come up here to the altar. Come up here to the altar. 
but let it go today. Don't hold on to it. And if you don't know Jesus today, he wants you. He wants to set you free, give you life, and show you uh, what, what an abundant life led by the Holy Spirit is all about. And he just says, you just believe in me and I'll do everything else. Jesus, we thank you for being a God who comes to us when we're mostly dead, who comes to us when we, when we are dead, dead, and you say, wake up. Go back to what you knew at the beginning. Walk in repentance. Live humbly before me and watch me change everything in your life. So I pray that strongholds are broken today, that sin is uprooted today, that bitterness is, is, is just chopped to pieces today, that doubt is washed away today with, with being convinced that you are who you say you are. Set us free, help us live free, and then help us to go to those who are stuck in darkness and bondage and give freedom and truth to. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.